Welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. In this latest episode, I had a chance to speak with the CEO of Er Kim Pharmaceuticals, Jem Zorluha, about his personal journey to what he does today, partnering with biopharmaceutical companies to commercialize new products in global markets. In particular, we focused on the global threat of AMR, or antimicrobial resistance, and what Erkim is doing in low- and middle-income countries, such as in the Commonwealth of Independent States, or CIS, to fix inequities of access and facilitate addressing unmet patient needs in the local contexts. What becomes clear is the need for a paired collaborative and cooperative mindset to assist the situation in developing countries, just as is required in tackling climate change. After all, we as humans are part of a global population requiring global enablement for the health of, quite frankly, our species in future tomorrows. The conversation should hopefully spark some thoughts, perhaps even questions, and do feel free to share these with us via our editorial inbox. In the meantime, and as ever, thank you for listening. This is web editor Nicole Rani, and today I have with me Jem Zorlula, CEO of Airkim Pharmaceuticals. Today, we'll be discussing the global threat of antimicrobial resistance, or AMR, and what the biotech industry should focus on to address this critical issue. Welcome, Jem. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So, uh, Kim Pharmaceuticals partners with biopharma companies to commercialize new products in global markets. It operates in a wide range of areas, including rare diseases, oncology, hematology, neurology, and women's health. But firstly, Jem, perhaps you could share with listeners your journey to what you do today, the passion that propelled you along the pathway to Erkim. Yeah, absolutely. So Erkim, basically, the reason I'm doing this now today is it gave us, Erkim gives us the opportunity to positively impact the accessibility of life-saving treatments and to patients who need them globally. And personally, in 2018, my father passed away uh, after battling esophageal cancer. And it's a relatively rare and quite aggressive disease. And what I have seen is that he had the ability to access some of the most cutting-edge medication. But at the same time, I came to realize that some drugs were just not available outside the U.S. Sometimes because the model didn't work out, sometimes because uh, it was not prioritized. And we basically felt that there needs to be better solutions for the essential innovative medicines to be available globally. So as a result, uh, Arkim, uh, we changed the mission of Arkim, who had been focusing a bit more uh, regionally to take a global role to focus on giving access to patients pretty much all around the world, uh, helping uh, U.S. biopharma companies or European biopharma companies to extend their footprints. Thank you for that, German, for sharing the personal basis of the journey. So if we think about traditional business models in pharma, concentrating as they do primarily on the US and select Western markets, usually it's based on pricing and historical sales data. And this traditional approach often relegates emerging markets to a non-core status even when these regions exhibit AMR rates that are significantly higher. Such an approach, I think you definitely agree, is short-sighted, both from a public health and a commercial standpoint. So 
Jem, what can be done? So at Acum, we have taken a proactive stance uh, on the pressing issue of basically fixing this inequity of access. And we're doing this starting from middle-income countries, ranging from Central Eastern Europe, Turkey, CIS states, uh, and others. And we basically focus on collaboration and partner with the world's leading biopharma companies early in the commercialization cycle to not only better understand what unmet needs are in the regions that we operate in, but how that translates into a commercial opportunity. Because yes, there is a high unmet need, there's a humanitarian approach, but we also note that this is a commercial endeavor that needs to be uh, having the best of both ways. And we also believe that there's increasing market opportunities there as well. So it's bringing the unmet need as well as the market opportunity together. So to address the need for more treatments outside the US, our first and foremost goal is to drastically reduce the time lag between novel treatments approval and how these are available globally. And that basically goes beyond just distributing the products. It's understanding the unique healthcare ecosystem, distinct challenges, and how these translate to the unmet needs and medicines that are being approved. There, we effectively engage in the community outreach, understand what's needed, how we can get there, and what usually ends up happening as the gap is not necessarily around pricing and access, but around how do we effectively navigate the challenges that are not really well understood from the Western healthcare context, which is one of the main challenges that we see on the AMR space as well, where the local context is very different than what companies see in the US or Western European markets. Thank you for that. So if we think about that local context, could you perhaps share what the actual demand for AMR products is like in countries, for example, like Greece or Romania or Kazakhstan? So the demand is driven by effectively how much resistance there is in these markets. And when you look at maps of antibiotic resistance, you see Greece, Romania, Kazakhstan, CIS countries, these are basically where there is the highest amount of resistance. On top of that, of course, these are middle-income or developing countries. Therefore, coupled with that unmet need is the market there. So effectively, these countries have built this sweet spot of having not only demands as well as ability to pay, allowing a right marketplace for the pharmaceutical companies to focus on, which might be the main place to focus in terms of launching. For a traditional launch, where if you're looking at a traditional model, you launch in the Western Europe, you launch in the US, and then you go through your launch uh, planning cycles, whereupon these countries, when it comes to AMR context, could be the uh, center of focus. And this is not necessarily a new thing. Uh, we have been working in the infectious disease at some point for a very long time. And when you go back many years, you see that antibiotics have been the more commercially successful, whereupon antivirals have not uh, before the introduction of the blockbuster treatments. So we had the same model where we've introduced the first hepatitis B treatments uh, or hepatitis C treatments or some antivirals. And what we have seen is we were able to build those businesses up to up to 10% of global sales and with sales starting from the first year of the US launch. So effectively by prioritizing those markets, these products did tend to be a turn to be a larger product before they were able to command very high prices in the US. And do you have other examples of that sort, Jim? Yeah, on the infectious disease side of the house, uh, we have 
done similar work on leishmaniasis, other fungal infections, where a novel higher price alternative was needed more in the developing world than the market itself in the Western world. And that not only led to significant lives gains and um, losses avoided, but also have contributed to pretty much 15 to 20% to the top line of our partners. So this is a repeatable example on the infectious disease space that we kept advocating for and pretty much keep repeating every time there's a new challenge uh, in the infectious disease prioritizing our parts of the world. Okay, so clearly there's a market for AMR products and a pressing need for all industry participants in the financial community to reassess their commercial approaches to AMR. But how can that significant unmet need be addressed in sort of tangible ways? I think the partnership from the local context is there when we are discussing with the local partners, uh, be it the national health authorities or the pairs or other public health counterparts. They are there. They're more interested in talking about these things uh, than maybe is the case in other markets because they do feel the acute need. So the partnership part on the ground is more there than we think there is. Now, in terms of what we can do, there are a couple of things that uh, come to my mind. One is, first of all, obviously, there's, we need to recognize that there's a market outside of core markets. And we also need to recognize that the usual revenue split for an AMR product might not be the, uh, as if it were an oncology product or a rare disease product. Therefore, we just need to realize that maybe we need to, to think about sequencing differently. And obviously, having this sequencing does not necessarily align with the commercial model that uh, we usually apply. That's where you might want to look at how you redefine your approach. How do you partner with local players? How do you build your medical affairs organization? How do you build your commercial organization? But more importantly, how do you build your supply chain, drug safety? We need to look at how it works with this new reality. Then this next piece is around, obviously, ensuring that the model, the business model meets the pricing and market access. So there you might want to look at, do, do, should I have a sliding scale? Should I have a monthly payment scheme? These are all being experimented in the Western world. Uh, and these are potentially possible in the developing world as well. But overall, there is the risk of there being less suitability for innovative pricing models. So therefore, it might be simpler to keep a traditional model, but adjust for affordability. The sort of some additional things that come to my mind is there's actually no need to have costly marketing campaigns to keep the prices uh, to basically promote the product from commercial perspective. What we're seeing is that antimicrobials take just new life in their own uh, when they're available in a country because the unmet needs in a very local context change. So whenever we introduce a new class of antibacterials, different doctors, different countries focus on different unmet needs. So the actual use really starts diverging from the label uh, based on the data that we have. So therefore, it is less about pushing but more about enabling, enabling the medical information and making things available for the doctors to make their own decisions, but not necessarily push for anything. One two things are obviously support, supporting a more public health-driven approach, uh, working with pairs and regulators to look at it from an inch. This is a more of an insurance that we're doing from public health, as opposed to this commercial thing that we are maximizing. Therefore, 
pricing in and building a business model that is in line with that. Um, and that's sort of a couple of things that uh, come to my mind. Thank you. And so if we think about these endeavors, what's this landscape going to look like in the next decade or the next two decades and beyond? Obviously, there is the perspective of local players. There's a perspective of the commercial players. But I think there needs to be a bigger uh, look at how we can enable this. And that's where the regulators come into a place, how we can build a more efficient uh, development strategy or, or how we can build more uh, flexible labels for these products. So there needs to be conversations around them. Uh, there needs to be conversations around pairs. And more importantly, there needs to be global cooperation and the governmental level because antimicrobial resistance is a global problem. And this global problem is something that not a single company country can solve by themselves. If the resistant strain of bacteria starts taking over some area, in today's globalized world, there is nothing that could prevent it. So I would recommend an approach similar to what we're doing with uh, climate change, where countries come together and have honest conversations around how do we address this in a global scale. Uh, but with cooperation, I believe that we can prevent AMR being one of the real threats uh, in terms of healthcare in the next decade or two. That would be wonderful indeed. Thank you very much for your time today, Jim. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Nicole. So that concludes another episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find out more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous installments of the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcasts. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podbean where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website itself, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins, and follow us on Twitter, or X nowadays, at at Pharma Forum. That's all for now. Thank you for listening.